welcome to another episode of the Lure Entertainment Podcast. I am Andrew Southwick. Today's episode, we welcome back Jason Farley, one of the Lure executives and creative minds. Uh, certainly, a an uh, he has an avant garde humor, if you will. <laughs> How's that for an intro, Jason? Yeah, that's good. That's good. <laughs> anyway, some of you. Uh, Hawkeye uh, viewers will notice I'm not in my normal place, and that's because I'm on the road. I'm I'm down in Florida in the uh, in the area of the recent hurricane, or at least recent as of this production. So, uh, well, I'm I'm over a couple of towns and and where there is some power and internet, and so here we are. So, I apologize. I might look like a little bit like a hostage video, you know, from Russia or something like that, but it's not. <laughs> We're all right. And uh, let's see, what's the other thing? Oh, yeah, my voice is a little funny. I'm getting over the dreaded COVID. Oh, my gosh, I'm still alive. Okay. All right. And I, uh, I look like I was kidnapped by a rogue librarian. So, <laughs> yeah, it's true. You have books in my, every room of my library. Yeah. But I'm in the li- I'm in the actual library today. So, that's your actual library? Um, this okay. is my, yeah, this is my actual library. So, as opposed what's to what's the other one then? <laughs> that's just my office library. <laughs> it's your office library. It's my other library. Yeah. That, yeah. It's library B. That you mentioned that now, like I feel kind of bad because I'm that way with television. It's like, I want a television in every room of the house so that whatever I'm watching, I don't miss from room to room. And I, so like, I have that, there's no living room television. This is my hallway television that I can see <laughs> from any particular area. And, you know, if, if you need to, if you, if you need to take a call of a nature break and it's not a commercial, you know, you don't have to pause it. It's cool. You can, you can just yeah. go ahead. That's probably TMI, but that is, that's my own illness. Oh, I love it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Um, Jason, first man, how you been? Good, good. Yeah. Just, you know, just wrapping up the summer and, and, uh, starting to prep for the school year. I'm actually going to be teaching apologetics this year. Um, so I haven't taught in a couple of years. So prepping for that, reading and, and, uh, putting together lesson plans again. So, well, if only you, if only you were more of an avid book collector, you might, it might be easier for you to, to brush up on those topics. Yeah, right. But I digress. All right. Uh, let's, uh, I want to talk today. Hollywood is suffering from the problem of industry capture. And conceptually, if you're not, if you, you may or may not be familiar with that term, but that's one of the industry the regulatory capture is what you'll see in business and corporation and, and in, in politics and so on. But it's when a small sector, Oh, bless you. Maybe is oh no, you cough. I will just say anything for a cough. Just right, a cough. Go I ahead and die. The, I couldn't get to the mute button fast enough. <laughs> that's all right. Um, but that's where a, a, a sector of an industry captures a larger one, and then it's it's kind of wag the dog. They become puppet masters. Usually, it's because they are financing to some degree, and so we see that. So, for example, the NBA. I, one of the industry captures that they have is with China. That's why they're afraid to badmouth China. They get a lot of their money from China. That's also how we know the NBA doesn't have to cater to an American audience. They don't need our money. They get it from China. So that's an example of this capture. Well, we know Hollywood did, has been captured. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Did you hear the story of the, uh, the Eastern European who wrote freedom on his shoes for his people when the Chinese were attacking and uh, he was warming up before the game and somebody 
came down and said, you're going to need to change your shoes. The people from China object. And they hadn't even started. They haven't even, they hadn't even started the television yet. So yeah, you're talking about uh, China. Ennis Cantor. Ennis Cantor. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It was was crazy where you're like, Oh, they were watching, they were watching warmups looking around to make sure that everybody was in line with the messaging that the Chinese communists wanted. And you would think that's just like a Chinese Communist Party thing. We're watching everything you do. Of course, we know that's also an American biopharmaceutical state thing as well. Mm-hmm. But watching everything we do, so on and so forth. But that's also true in Hollywood. We all know Hollywood is captured by wokeism and everything else. And, you know, we talk about that and lament it. But it's also been captured by the transgender movement, the transgender agenda. And once again, there's, there is a distinction. There are people suffering with identity issues or sexual identity issues and so on. That's a different thing from those who are driving the agenda. The agenda has a much different purpose and issue. And that is what we are pushing back against is that agenda. And oftentimes the people pushing those, that agenda or any agenda for that matter are not members of the communities that they report their agenda to be supporting, uh, you know, so they're usually money people and Hollywood is no different. Well, part of Hollywood, of course, is the music business. It's a part of entertainment. Uh, for that matter, our news is part of entertainment. And I don't mean that disparagingly. It literally is part of the entertainment industry as it were. There are a couple of stories that we're going to talk about today because there's no forgiveness in this industry. For example, if you, if you cross over a, a line, an offensive line, you can't apologize enough to, to make it up, even though they're, they're purporting to be offended. So why wouldn't an apology work? Why, wouldn't that seem sensitive? And so let's look at a couple of these. And then Jason, I want to get your take. So let me bring this. Let me bring this first story up. This is something. Well, I don't know how many people will know. Well, they'll know of the next one. But the first artist here is Carlos Santana. Some of you may know who he is. He famously played at Woodstock. Uh, Oyo Como Va is one of, he's a great classic rock artist, great guitarist. You see the article here on the screen, Carlos Santana apologizing for telling concert goers that God made them either men or women. Let's take a quick look at this article. Here is what he said. Here is a controversial statement that Carlos Santana said in a virtual clip. He said, there is no virtual reality. When God made you and me before we came out of the womb, you know who you are and what you are. Later on, when you grow up and you see things, you start believing it could be something that sounds good, but you know it ain't right. He continued, because a woman is a woman and a man is a man. That's it. Whatever you want to do in the closet, that's your business. I'm okay with that. He continued, I'm sorry for my insensitive comments. They don't reflect that I want to honor and respect all persons' ideals and beliefs. I realize that what I said hurt people. That was not my intent. I sincerely apologize to the transgender community and everyone uh, offended. Here's the thing, Jason. First of all, he was being honest. I think anybody, everybody in the world, show me the person that came through the world through another vehicle than, for example, a woman, a biological woman. If there is such a thing as you know trans or what have you, then how can there be a gender to begin with to be offended about because it is not a real thing? If 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 there if that view is is true, there's a lot there's logical fallacies abound just in in the connecting of the dots of, of, of that worldview. But also apologizing never gets you anywhere. I've never seen one person apologize to the to the leftist mob, the transgender mob, the woke mob and have it 
help their case at all. And we'll we'll uh, we'll see something similar to this in another story. But Jason, first, I want to get your reaction uh, when it comes to Carlos Santana. Should he have apologized? What does it, does his apology make sense? And then also, you know, as as uh, you know, Christians, for example, it would seem that if you are proclaiming truth that God has put in his word, that's not something for you to even apologize for. And it's not loving, it's not loving your neighbor to try to whitewash or sanitize or sugarcoat just plain truth. That's not your fault. It's not their fault. It just is what it is. What's you, what do you make of this, this whole thing here? Yeah. Well, I think that his decision to apologize um, is, is obviously not, um, I mean, I, he might be honest that he, when he says, well, I don't want to hurt anybody. Right. And he, Cause he wasn't being, he, he's not trying to be hurtful, but he's didn't, what he didn't say was, look, I've changed my position on all of this. It's the, even the apology was, Hey, I've realized this is one of those things you're supposed to be quiet about. Um, that was the apology. What isn't ever taken into account is that it's a, di- it was a whole different group of people that are offended by the apology, but you're allowed to offend those people. Uh, I was just going to ask you, the, the, the whole apology offense thing only works one way. If I'm offended yeah. by someone because of what they are saying or doing, that offends my belief and what I hold dear and what I believe to be true, I've never once heard an apology about that ever. Right. Like I, w- I would just like to apologize to all of the, um, what are they, what's the term, the cisgendered uh, males out there that I, uh, that I offended. Um, yeah. You'd like to apologize you, to the cisgendered oppressive patriarchy of the world. Particularly right, yeah. in, in, in white America. Right. And considering how we're told over and over that there is this oppressive white patriarchy. I sure have never heard it get offended. <laughs> I've sure never heard anybody say, well, I better bow down to it because otherwise I'm going to lose some stuff. Right. It's, Every, interesting. It, it's, it's a myth um, that we use to control people. It's interesting. You look in history, right? And, and the, 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 our culture is going to put up, you know, the patriarchy, the, transphobic or the racist, all this stuff. And as if they're the, they're the ones that are squashing out people's existence. They're the ones that are keep keeping voices from being heard, so on and so forth. When I look through history and I see real dictators and real evil people and real fascism and, and real tyranny and real authoritarianism, the, the ones who are the authoritarian fascists are the ones who stamp out speech. They're the ones who fire the people from their jobs. They're, they're the ones who destroy the lives. They're the ones who, who you can't make fun of. What, what's the, the famous quote? You want to find out who you're ruled by, find out who you can't make fun of. Right. And yeah. then you'll know who is in charge. It seems to be that they are the thing that they rail against. Is that inaccurate? Yeah. Well, no. And I think this is, this is, you know, there's a couple of, I think literary instances that are important because you've got like George Orwell in his animal farm, he tells the story of the pigs that take over 
but they get rid of one of the pigs really early on, but they don't tell anybody what they do instead is they keep telling everybody that this pig is gathering an army and he's trying to take over and he's a real oppressor. And we're here protecting you from Snowbell. Snowbell the pig who's always on the verge of taking over um, and uh, the, the, they have but they have to create um, something to be afraid of to get, to control everybody it's so different than the way King David um, when there's there's a man that's following him around telling him about uh, something the things that he's done wrong and the humbling that he needs David doesn't stamp him out and kill him and David tells his guards no let him go let that man who's speaking against me um, continue to speak, right? Because he all, all he's because speaking is not violence, right? If he tried to kill David, then his guards would have stepped in and done something. But when there was when they were speaking, David as the king, even though he was speaking against David, continued to allow him to speak. And David said, it's important that those voices get to talk because what if he's saying something that's true? I as the king. King needs to hear if I have been oppressive. I need to hear if I need to be corrected. So the, the freedom of speech isn't just good for the people. It's actually good for the rulers, too. Um, and that's that's why it's so important that uh, the, that that speech, the speech of minorities um, are not stamped out because they're, you know, uh, be by the majority, which is always a temptation in democracy. Um, is because it's a majority rule system. Um, and so the further we get away from a republic and move towards a democracy, there's always going to be this um, this temptation to stamp out the, the voices that you don't like. Um, it's a it's a democratic impulse. So um, because you don't want to hear the uh, the criticism when you're in charge and you're not humble. Well, I think you don't want to hear criticism. It's all this is, is the emperor has no clothes. You, you don't want to, you don't, the, when you, if you're an emperor with no clothes, your worst enemy is a guy with a mirror. You know, you, you don't want, right. you don't want to realize the, the con that you are pulling. You, you don't, you don't want to admit it yourself. Everybody can see it. Right. Those that, right. that want to have a seat at your table of power will pretend all day long you've got clothes on. But the ones who know for real, you don't want them in anywhere around. Let me let me contrast Carlos Santana's apology with another one. This is a recently Alice Cooper lost a sponsor. You can believe that. And it's not because of anything horrific, biting heads off bats, which I know is Ozzy Osbourne. But come on, he's in the same genre. Uh, Alice Cooper loses cosmetics deal. This from The Hill. After remarks about trans people, what did Alice Cooper say? Rock singer Alice Cooper has lost his deal with an LGBTQ-owned cosmetics company after he called cases of transgender people, transgender people a fad, quote, um, he, his comments were published last week in an interview with Stereogum when he was asked his opinion on gender-affirming care. The interviewer brought up Cooper's 1974 interview with SPEC, which the singer said everyone in the future will be bisexual. Seems like he wasn't necessarily wrong. Uh, quote, I'm understanding, this is Alice Cooper, I'm understanding that there are cases of transgender, but I'm afraid it's also a fad. I'm afraid there's a lot of people claiming to be this just because they want to be that. I find it wrong when you've got a six-year-old kid who has no idea. He just wants to play, and you're confusing him, telling him, yeah, you're a boy, but you could be a girl if you want to be. Cooper argued that people should at least become sexually aware 
before they start considering their gender and claimed genitals are the logical way to determine gender. He said, quote, if you have these genitals, you're a boy. If you have these genitals, you're a girl, he told the music blog. There's a difference between I'm a male who is female or I'm a female that's male and wanting to be a female. You're born male. Okay, that's a fact. You have these things here. Now, the difference is you want to be female. Well, that's something you can do later on if you want to, but you're not a male born a female. A day after the comments were published, Vampire Cosmetics announced it was ending its makeup collaboration with the singer less than two weeks after the deal launched. From Vampire, uh, Vampire Cosmetics released a statement saying, in light of recent statements by Alice Cooper, we will no longer be doing a makeup collaboration. They wrote this on August 24th. We stand with all members of LGBTQIA plus community and believe everyone should have access to health care. According to the website, Vampire Cosmetics is women-owned, disabled-owned, LGBTQ-owned cosmetics brand that sells vegan, cruelty-free, talc-free products. Cruelty-free, okay, whatever. All right, so. (laughs) Oh, that's ironic. Yeah, it is a little bit, isn't it? So here's the thing. Now, Alice Cooper didn't apologize. Hats off to him for that. Yeah. At At least not yet. But he also wasn't, he wasn't. There was nothing hateful about that. He was actually talk, speaking more to the fact that transgenderism has become a social contagion, which is absolutely true. When you look at the, the percentages now, it's about one in every four adolescents is having some issue with this. It's, and it's a, it's a contagion that is marketed at kids specifically. You see the bell curve go straight up in the last two years, straight up, not not trickle, 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 but absolutely straight up. I should have brought that. I should have grabbed that graphic, but I didn't. At any rate, you talked about in when we were talking about Carla Santana that, you know, people are afraid of the, 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 the puppet masters. Well, it also seems like really these businesses are afraid of the puppet masters too. Alice Cooper doesn't seem afraid. And I would also think Alice Cooper is a man wearing makeup. Isn't doesn't that help their case? I mean, I'm completely confused here. Help me make sense, Jason. I I mean, the the fact that he is willing to say, you know, a six year old shouldn't be allowed to make a a decision to remove his his uh, genitals because it affects the rest of his life. And he's not ready to make a decision like that. That's actually not particularly revolutionary, right? <laughs> because he's, he's not, you know, um, and so I don't know if it was that because I think that is, that's a completely reasonable thing to say. Like you, you can't, you, you, you won't, you won't let them enter into a loan that only affects them for five years. He's, but, he's not even, he's not even saying don't have gender surgeries. He's just saying not kids. Yeah. So that's, um, so if that's the issue, um, then that's what makes the cruelty free moniker. So ironic, right. Is well, when they talk about, and if you, I mean, when you look at, and when I say that I'm talking about agenda pushers, okay. Yep. When they talk about they're losing their rights and these, and these transphobic things are losing their rights. They're actually referring to their access to your children whether it's at the school through through some teachers, whether it's on television, whether it's in media, whether it's in products, so on and so forth. They're talking about what they see as a right is their access to your children. I, I, am I wrong? 
No, I, th- I think that's, I think that is it. The other thing that Alice Cooper says in there that this is a fad that might also be um, the thing that really has them upset because um, it, 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 it's, it's absolutely true that um, different, different, what used to be considered psychoses uh, broken things broken within the the mind or the soul of of mankind that each generation sort of has their particular ones um you know you you've saw a rise in multiple personality disorder in the 80s for example you saw a, a rise of of uh paranoid schizophrenia in the 90s and then, and now we see this you see this sort of rise and it'll go back down and and that's not that's not a controversial statement according to the facts of things what's different though is um you get a you get a preferred status right now in certain areas and um by having this particular um psychosis you know uh the that this one gets you things and so they don't want um there's a lot of people that don't want that to go away. <laughs> so it's, it, it reminds me a lot of, of the God Molech and what, what the families would do. You know, they all line up to burn their children alive and in the hopes that next year their crops will grow, you know? Yeah. And, and if you were, if you, let's say you're standing in line with your kid and all of a sudden you kind of think, you know, maybe this isn't going to work. Right. And so you, you, you get out of line and you're just walking back. You're going to go home and you'll, you'll deal with your crops. Right. But what this is, is the, the rest of everybody else saying in line, Hey, we're, we're not going to have crops this year because you didn't murder your child. You know what I mean? Right. You didn't sacrifice your kid on this altar. Well, wait a minute. Aren't you sacrificing your own kid? I mean, it just, it, it's both brutal, barbaric and evil and absurd. Yeah. And I think, I think it's the, um, the, I mean, I I was just reading um, this book right here called ambition and survival. And um, he is talking about the, he's got a a section or a chapter talking about the dislodgement um, from reality that most people feel in, in the present. Right. And his, he's proposing that um, one of the ways back is going to be poetry, right? When people, uh, and so he's, it's a, it's, it's a really interesting book. And, but what's amazing about it is how, when he just starts describing the feelings of dislodgement from reality, the, the identity lessness, the floating above uh, the, the floating above reality without touching down, without being able to find a place um, is, he says, it's just, it's just now known to be the common experience, right? People, people don't know who they are, what they're for, what kind of world this is. And so they bounce along trying to find some perch uh, in reality. Well, that's what stories do stories. uh, The story we tell ourselves, the story that we believe about the world, the stories that, um, that we're being told, they're all trying to give us a perch in reality. And so when you have these stories that are basically saying, well, you know, 
sex is the thing that gives you a perch into reality. That is the place where you touch down, the place where you find who you are. And so who you're attracted to is a uh, is giving you a fundamental identity. Right. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, um, you have, you know, the, the leftists believe this sort of thing, but people on the right do too. They just believe it in a more traditional way, right? They, um, you know, the, you, it's not as if you don't have, uh, the, this exact same mentality everywhere you go, they just disagree about what does it mean to, um, find your identity through sex, right? It's mm-hmm. through sexuality, right? Um, it, the, because you've got the same sort of thing in rom-coms that promise ultimate reality will be, you'll finally find your place in ultimate reality when you fall in love with your soulmate, right? It's the same. You've got the same story um, being told everywhere and that idol keeps failing everyone. <laughs> and so it's, so they're ramping up the sacrifice. It's getting more violent, more bloody, more you know, all of the time um, because the story that they're telling themselves is that this particular idol um, will actually return us to reality. Um, and and it, it is an idol, isn't it? It's is absolutely mm-hmm. what it is. It is. And so that's where uh, I, I think the, the church is failing to provide a better version of the story. Right. So we're writing tons and tons of marriage books. Um, and, the it doesn't seem to be making marriage any better. <laughs> Give me an example, like not obviously not the whole enchilada, but if, if the church is not writing a better version of the story, what is yeah. what is one of the story beats that the church is writing that maybe is less effective or not effective at all? I think something like Fireproof is a good example of us trying to say. It's a worldliness that says, well, Jesus can actually help accomplish your the the, the goals the world has given you. But the, the world has said this is where you're going to find your reality. Uh, and um, and the, you're, here's here's where you're going to find your identity. Here's where you're going to find ultimate satisfaction. And we can't do it. This is well, but Jesus can help you find ultimate satisfaction over here in a good um, you know, in a, over here in a sexual relationship. Um, and you say, well, actually we're told that we find that, that we find our ultimate, uh, fulfillment and reality in Jesus, in our relationship, in our restoration of our relationship with God through Jesus Christ on the, and his death on the cross and his resurrection and spirits work in our lives. And, uh, and that, 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 and then we bring that fulfillment to the things in the world, right? And an empty soul will suck the world dry trying to fill itself with the world. But a full soul that is full on um, the work of the spirit and fellowship with the father and the uh, enjoyment of the beauty of Christ will end up filling the world up with all sorts of wonderful and beautiful things um, because it comes to the world full. And so it doesn't come to the world needing to be filled. It's a different story. Um, and, and it's a story that, that unfortunately, um, we haven't been telling, uh, stories that help us, uh, readjust our identity or help us find our identity. We've been telling the wrong kinds of stories. 
Let me ask you this question. And we got, uh, we got about six minutes left here ish. And one of the things that is sorely lacking in this whole cultural melee that we're in, that, that's the reason for cancel culture. It's the reason why Alice Cooper loses a cosmetics deal, et cetera, et cetera, or other people lose their jobs. There's no forgiveness. Right. It seems one of the reasons why Carlos Santana, well, the reason why Carlos Santana's apology doesn't matter is because they're not looking to forgive him. They're not, they're not offended, hoping to restore a relationship. All they want is to punish that person, to, yeah. use, to single them out and destroy them. That's it. They're the eaters of worlds, right? They're the eaters of lives. Whoa. Why? How can such a small, seemingly small percentage of a population appear to dominate a culture with a message that lacks forgiveness and therefore can't lead to life. There's two parts of that. How does a small percentage dominate and why are we lacking the story of forgiveness? Yeah. I mean, the small percentage dominates because they've figured out how to weaponize shame, right mm. there. And we're a shame filled people. So, so shame works on us because we don't know how to go to the cross and leave our shame there. Jesus died on the cross naked for us to take the shame. And we don't know how to leave our shame at the cross. And so because we're a shame filled people, we're easy to control, easy to manipulate. They come after us with, with shame. We're going to uncover you. We're going to remove you from the tribe. We're going to, uh, we're, you're going to lose your place in society. Uh, and we say, Oh, I'm, I'll be naked. I'll, I, I can't stand that kind of shame. Um, and so we go along. So the, the, the crowds are controlled by shame. Now, somebody that has no shame, um, because Jesus has already taken it, can't be controlled that way. So they come and say, we're going to kick you out of the tribe. It's like, well, it's still got, I'll still have the <laughs> the fellowship of the triune life, right? I, I don't need the tribe. Yeah. I'm happy to be a part of the tribe. I love being a part of my neighborhood. I love being a part of culture. I, I just went to a baseball game. I love being a part of my city. And, um, but I don't need it because I've got the triune fellowship of the father, son, and the Holy spirit that I've been adopted into. Um, and because of that, though, hopefully I can actually bring to my city um, that sort of uh, life. Right. That, mm -hmm. that, um, and that's what we want our families to be is uh, places where the light of the triune life shines through and becomes an inviting place. And, um, but also, uh, I think we need to tell the kind of stories that have that kind of message, um, you know, brotherhood, which I know you're involved in mm -hmm. is one of the, one of the, uh, movies we have coming about, uh, about a KKK, uh, leader, high up leader in the KKK, um, being confronted by a Jesus and yeah. drawn out of racism and a, um, a, a black gentleman who, uh, is all who is confronted for his racism, the other direction who end up becoming friends and working together in the church and, um, and, and finding and extending forgiveness, um, for past shame, uh, so that they can then, you know, build out the, a, a kind of community that would have seemed impossible to the young versions of themselves. And so it's a beautiful story because of that. Yeah. And here's the thing that that is a true story. That is a true story. Yeah. That that sounds like a plot, 
but it is a true story. And uh, yeah, that, that's, that's coming up in a, in a, in a future wave here with, with lore, but yeah, forgiveness is a huge theme in that. And yeah. it's a story well, that only God can write as well. And when I read the book, I read the book that it's based on and was just the whole time I was, you just blown away at the way God can weave a story. <laughs> it's such a, it's such a beautiful moving story. Um, but it's moving because we don't tell stories of forgiveness anymore. I mean, this is what made Ted Lasso. This was what knocked Ted, La- people's socks off when Ted Lasso, the first season came out. Hmm. When you have a story where you have repentance and forgiveness and people then working together after the forgiveness, like it, it 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 was blowing people away because they they'd have never seen that and they've never it's seen true. they don't tell in, stories like that even in stories that have a redemptive position it stops at the point of redemption it doesn't go on to say to really the, unless the aftermath is like written in a little sentence or two on screen right but it really doesn't go on to show and here's how they commingled which is something i think you look at in the New Testament, particularly in Paul's writings, he's he's talking about how these cultures collide, not just Jews and Gentiles and this and this and the, and the church and the new church age, but also how do these how do these new cultures that by themselves just on Earth were 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 alienated if not opposed to each other, how do they come together? But then also how do they come together in the light of forgiveness and right. which is a whole? You know, I mean, just but it seems like that we don't see how they walk and work together on screen in poetry in song very much do we that's a good point yeah yeah and um the the metaphor system that paul uses to discuss it is music right where he says um that that you that the church each person brings a melody and the and you end up with harmony right mm-hmm. um and he he talked and that's something that um you, that you can't get through uh, you through any fascism or any sort of tyranny because that that's the expectation that everybody ends up singing the same melody, right? Whereas Paul he he talks about how you've got Romans and barbarians that end up coming to church together, right? And one of the things that that undid. In the 300s, you've got people telling the story of the way the church undid slavery was because a slave would be an elder at church um, and a slave at home and the master would get saved. And at church, he's under the authority of his slave and at home, the slaves under his authority and all. And the next thing you know, they start saying, maybe slavery doesn't make any sense. It undermined it through bringing harmony, not not by violence. Right. And we just assume that the only way to change anything is through violence. And Paul tells the story uh, a completely different way, right? That instead that you've got different melodies that end up harmonizing in God, in the church, um, different people, different people groups bring different uh, melodies and you, and then they, you know, intermarry and you end up with all sorts of new uh, harmonizations within uh, the church that's possible because of forgiveness because it cuts the memory off. So yes, maybe four generations ago, our people were, um, were bitter enemies, but that, that memory has been cut off. And, and so there's so many stories like that, that we need to fill ourselves with as Christians and be ready to tell. Um, but we have instead chosen to tell um, stories that, uh, 
point to ultimate fulfillment, some f- fulfillment, some other place than forgiveness. Yeah, it's well, it's really what and part of that harmony you're talking about, part of what makes that so spectacular, where the Apostle Paul talks about, you know, we were all far off and now we've been brought near. And that far off is a huge statement because it's not just far off. It's like Alice Cooper, his cosmetic company, Carlos Santana and whoever he offended all coming together and making an album, you know, and having it sound good. <laughs> like it's that. And, and you're like, wait a minute, how can you guys even be in the same room? But that's what Paul was talking about. We were far off, not in the same room. Now we've been brought near, are in the same room. We can sing the same song, but but there is harmony there. There is cohesion There is and there's forgiveness in that. I uh, want to remind people you can subscribe today at lure.tv, L-O-O-R.tv. Sign up today. And for those uh, thinking about Lure, checking it out for the first time, we've been talking about forgiveness. We've been talking about restorative, redemptive arcs and story and how our culture needs more of those. What do we have available on Lore right now that you would say, hey, you know, there's a there's a redemptive strand in this one that people can see and you can check it out today on Lore.tv. I think the Psalter is a really good example um, where you've got short uh, films, each built around a particular psalm. And then um, Barely Biblical, I think, is a, a great show um, as well because it's it just dives into that to the Old Testament and and uh, shows you those stories. Um, and uh, and then e- even a show like Gothics, um, where um, you have a woke mob completely trying to destroy um, this the the Twitch streamer Gothics. And um, her finding how uh, finding uh, the Lord in the process and learning that there's actually something greater uh, and there's forgiveness rather than just survival um, and not having to go get back at them, um, but uh, learning that you can forgive. And you've actually got the same a really similar story with uh, uh, your American family um, where the the uh, a family gets um, targeted by PayPal and Google and called a terrorist labeled a terrorist organization uh, because they sell American flags and uh, that American flag is considered a terrorist uh, symbol by these, by these companies. And so they uh, target this family and watching the Christian response that says, I I don't actually need to destroy my enemies. God will defend me. And I can, I can simply just joyfully uh, embrace the persecution. Um, is a beautiful, beautiful story as well. So um, th- those kinds of stories are really important and uh, and aren't getting told um, because you know we you know, we want uh, heroes that just simply turn around and overpower and destroy their enemies rather than uh, love their enemies. So yeah, quite a different message. Quite a uh, and really, you would think it's an unbelievable story, except it happens <laughs> more often than we would think. <laughs> And it's one of the reasons why humanity is still around because God is sustaining these things. And part of his sustaining is through that redemption and forgiveness that through him, he offers not just eternally, but also here on earth uh, between each other. And uh, it's great that we can share some of those stories with Lure and Lure.tv. Again, subscribe today. Jason, thanks for your time today on the Lure Entertainment Podcast. We'll look forward to having you back soon. For Jason Farley, I am Andrew Southwick. This has been the Lure Entertainment Podcast. And we will see you next time. All right.